This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. again. Uh, Diana mentioned about something we do here at the City Church called Serve Saturdays. And it's just a way for us as the City Church to take some time to serve our community in very practical ways. So yesterday, we had some people from our church go and partner with Eden Food Bank. Now, Eden Food Bank is the food bank within our specific postal code here in Mississauga. And we give to them uh, financially as a church every month. But we also take time uh, to partner with them throughout the year to help in various ways. Um, And yesterday, so we sent some people, uh, they did something called a fresh food drive. And so they basically go stand outside a grocery store and let people know as as they're on their way into the grocery store that they can give to the food bank. So I just wanted to show you some pictures of what happened yesterday with some people from our church. So there's some of the food uh, that people gave. Go one more. This is actually the Eden... uh, food for change truck that they were filling up. And now we've got some pictures of our team members that went yesterday. And just to let you know that our team helped uh, gather 847 pounds of food uh, to be able to feed people in our city. That's awesome. Such a great group. Thank you all for going and serving our city. And we actually have one more opportunity. We're partnering with uh, Habitat for Humanity this Saturday. So if you want to get involved with that event, you can sign up at the Connect Bar after service. All right. Well, we are finishing our series this morning that we have called Write It Down. This is actually week four. So if everybody could get out their note paper that was on your chair this morning. Uh, The purpose of this series is that we would actually write some things down. So don't uh, sit there and pretend there wasn't paper on your chair because I know it was there. Uh, Pick it up, hold it in your hand. There's some pens there in the seat pocket in front of you. Uh, What we are doing in this series is we are actually specifically writing some things down. Now, I know we, a lot of times we use our devices now and our iPads, um, but it actually has been proven uh, for us. They've done some studies that when we write some things down, it actually makes a different impact on us. Uh, One of the ways uh, that writing things down helps us, it stimulates our long-term memory when we write things down. It helps us to retain ideas better. Um, when you, I know some people journal, uh, so when you journal, it helps you used to be called diaries, but now it's called journals. Uh, it helps you to understand your thoughts and feelings better when you write some things down. Uh, when you write things down, it boosts your productivity for, for everybody who is busy in life, which should be all of you. When we write things down, it helps us to be more productive. Not just, it's good to have a, a to-do list on your computer, but when you write things down, it actually makes a difference. And then another study shows us that writing things down helps us to, uh, with conceptual applications. We write some things down about an application that we need to do in life, apply something to our lives. When we've written it down, it actually makes a difference. So that is the purpose of writing things down in this series. So let's turn uh, to Habakkuk one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, and we will see why we have been writing things down. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 says this. The prophet, he's saying, he's speaking, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. I will look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So the prophet was wanting to know what God was speaking to him. 
And this is the, the starting place in this series is we actually want to know or we should want to know the will of God for our lives. And this is what the prophet is asking for specifically for the nation, but then also we can apply this to our lives. And then God answers that prayer and he says to the prophet, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So the prophet was wanting to know what the will of God is. And then God answers back, write it down. So the person that writes it down can know what the vision is from God so that we can run with it. And so that's why I've been talking to you each week in this series about writing some things down. Now, the first week we, we looked at this idea that there are some things from our past and there's some nervousness that we might have about our future. And so the idea week one is that we would write those things down. And then uh, I asked, you know, for you to throw those things away or put them up here on the stage just by uh, symbolically saying, I'm leaving those things behind. And then the second week we talked about understanding what the will of God is. How do I know what God is speaking to me? And then this idea of what are some uh, things that God is speaking to me about my life and about my career and about my finances and about my health. Um, and so we would write those things down and then we would have uh, goals to get to those visions that God is speaking to our hearts. And then last week, we talked about this idea that God has placed us um, in a certain context with certain people in our lives because he actually wants to love those people through you. And that God has placed those people in your life so that you can pray for them and that you can encourage them. And then you, by your actions, that you can serve them. So if you missed any of those messages, you can catch up online uh, through our website, through our podcast, and then also through our church app. So today, we're going to be finishing up this series. And what we're going to be talking about today is you and me. And so what you're going to write down, the first thing you're going to write down on your note paper is you're going to write your name at the top. So we're talking about you today, all right? We're talking about you in good ways. Don't worry about it. I know many times, you know, I've grown up in church and uh, a lot of when we go to church and we, we hear certain messages, when we hear certain verses and, and we, we like to hear on behalf of somebody else and we think, oh, I'm hearing this verse today is so-and-so here. Uh, I was my uncle here. I wish my spouse was here today to hear this message because they really need it. And so we just sort of listen by proxy. We listen on behalf of somebody else and thinking, oh, somebody else might really need this information. And, you know, what we don't want to do is, is do that. We actually want to listen to the word of God for ourselves because we actually can't do the word of God for other people. Have you noticed that? We could want other people to do the things that we want them to do or we know that they should do for the scripture. But we can't actually make those choices for them. We can only choose what we're doing. You know, a lot of times we'll sit at home and we'll, we'll sit, you know, on our sofa and there's, there's chips on our shirt. And we just know what everybody should do. We know what the prime minister should do. We know what the president of the United States should do. We know what our premier should do. We just know what everybody else should do sitting on a chair doing nothing. Now, it's fun to do that. It's fun to think that we know what everybody else should do, but there's no actual power in it. Where there is power is knowing what God speaks to me. This is the point of the series, that we will write down what God is speaking to our hearts so that we 
can actually do some things and make some positive changes in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, very famous portion of scripture says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So our bodies, the physical part of us. Now, in week two, we talked about those things, those I would call them maybe exterior things, ways in life that we need to move and we need to learn uh, some things and things for our career and things for our family, things for our health. And those are really important things. But today we're going to talk about a different part of you. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. So we know that there's a will of God for us as it relates to all of those things, our family, our finances, our relationships, our career, our education. God has a vision for those things. But now here in in verse two, it's talking about a vision for our mind that our mind would be changed. The interior part of us, the real you looking out from behind your eyes the real person who thinks and feels and makes choices, God has something to say about how we think. And then what we think actually translates into words and then it translates into action. So God doesn't want us to just conform to the patterns of the world and just find out what the world is offering to us right now because the world is always changing its mind on a thousand different issues. But beyond that, we should want to know what God says about what we think. Because when we know what God says, we can know what that vision is. We can write it down and then we can move forward with it. We can run with the vision that God has for the internal part of us. And sometimes these things might uh, be hard to identify or we are so busy that we don't slow down to consider and think about what we're thinking about. Or think about what the ways that I think and the attitudes that I have. And this is what's being addressed here in verse 2. That I would uh, be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That my mind would be renewed to the will of God. That's where the verses ended up. I want to please God. I want to do the will of God for my life. Now when we think about transformation or growth that these principles are the same, uh, true in every area. Now, uh, my wife and I will be married uh, 24 years, actually, next week. And one of the things uh, for me in life is that I, I, I eat simply. I'm not very adventurous when I eat. You know, I like to eat simple foods, and I like to eat a lot of the same foods every day. Like 98% of the time, I eat the same food for breakfast. Two pieces of Ezekiel bread and coffee. That's pretty much what I eat for breakfast like I said, 98% of the time. Now, my wife is not this type of eater. My wife is an adventurous eater. She just eats everything, everything and anything. And so 24 years ago when we got married, she was aghast that I had never eaten like seafoods. I don't eat seafood. And then uh, like just pretty much everything. I've kind of, like, like I said, it's kind of a simple eating thing. But now 24 years later... I just want you to know that I've expanded my horizons, not a lot, just a little bit. But because of her, I can actually eat jalapenos. (laughs) I'm telling you what. (laughs) With certain types of food. And then there's, I can actually eat some sushi. 
I know. It's impressive. <laughs> now, but it's not like her, though. Like, she, she'll any type, like anything that you've eaten or thought about eating, she'll eat it. It'll be like, hey, I'll try it, no matter what it is, no matter how gross it looks. She's like, I got my hand up. I'll try it. Like, when we go for sushi, she, like, gets eel. And I'm, see, in my mind, I'm thinking, isn't the eel always the bad guy in the movies? <laughs> it's like, it's never, you know, there's never a friendly eel in any movie. But my wife was like, hey, I need to eat that. Um, oysters. <laughs> but she's like, oh, I need some oysters. And I'm going to put the lemon on it. Do you want to try one? And I'm like, no, look at that thing. <laughs> it's gross. And it's, ugh. She'll eat it all. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but why do I eat sushi and why can I eat jalapenos with some other stuff? It's because of her. She transformed me. And this is just one way, let me tell you, 24 years. <laughs> she transformed me. She changed me. And I'm not the same person I was 24 years ago. And the principles of growth are exactly the same in every area. Now, when we think about growing... Uh, there's one of the things, there's one of the ways that we sort of add to our knowledge. Like if you're learning math, you're, you're learning two plus two, and then the next year you learn something else, but you never say goodbye to the two plus two, because you're always adding to your knowledge. And that's one of the ways that we need to grow, uh, in the areas of maybe aptitudes that we have, that we can always grow in our giftedness. We can grow and add to our skills and abilities, which we should continue to do. And maybe in the professional sense, we are adding to our knowledge. We can take another course so we can find out an expert or a master who does what I do so that I can continue to add to my knowledge. But then there's other ways where we actually need to say goodbye to who we are or who we were. Not add to it anymore, but actually say goodbye to it. It's kind of immaturity. It's kind of ways... The same way that I reacted when I was 13 in grade 8 is the same way I react today, 40 years later, based on this thing. It's like, no, 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 we need to leave some of those things behind. And this is one of the ways that we need to think about transformation and and growth, that I would say goodbye to who I am or who I was or so that I can move to who God actually wants me to be. So when we think about transformation, he wants us to change our mind. And when we change our mind, we're actually killing some old ways of thinking, some old ways of talking, some old ways of being, that we need to say goodbye to those things. We just need to let them die so that I can become who God wants me to be, be so I can have my mind transformed. So where is it? So we've got your name down there. Where is it that you need to grow or change or transform? And my guess is, I actually know this for sure, that God has been speaking these things to your heart even before you showed up today. Here's where I need to grow. Here's where I need to add to my knowledge. And then there's some ways of being that I have. There's, there's, some, there's some things that I say and there's, there's some sensitivities that I have, that I'm still crying about the same thing, and I shouldn't actually be crying about that anymore. Shouldn't be an emotional wreck anymore. That my my decision-making ability should actually change and grow and mature, that I'm not making emotional decisions all of the time, that God actually wants me to be transformed. 
And so Jesus had these interactions with his disciples. And what we're supposed to do with these interactions is we're supposed to learn from these interactions. Now, Jesus, his close group, they were called apostles, but they're also called disciples. And that's actually what we are. We're not just Christians. Christians is just a moniker. It's a name. But Jesus wants us to be his disciples. In other words, learners, uh, growers, not, not stay the samers. That the people that follow Jesus are called disciples. And so he wants us to grow and to learn. And so as we're reading the scripture, we can see these interactions that Jesus had with his disciples. And then we can apply them to our lives. Luke chapter 9. Let's read one such interaction. Verse 51. It says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went to into a Samaritan village to get, get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. This group didn't want Jesus. They were rejecting Jesus. We don't want Jesus in our city. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And he and his disciples went into another village. So maybe James and John, a little bit reactionary, right? They they don't want you there, Jesus. Here's an idea. We're going to call fire down from heaven so they will be destroyed. That's my solution. What did Jesus do? He rebuked them. What does it mean to rebuke somebody? It means to correct them. And this is actually what we want from God. We want God to rebuke us. Now, that seems like a hard word. I was like, I'm not sure I like that word. Rebuke just means correct. And and for those of you that have children in here, if your, your children are acting in a certain way that you know is not good, what do you do? You correct them. You correct their words. You correct their behavior. Why? Where does that come from? It comes from love. It doesn't come from hate. Rebuke is not from hate you hate somebody why would you correct them you don't even like you just hate them doesn't you're not trying to rebuke them but when you love somebody you actually tried to correct them in other words they contradict you this is actually something we should desire from god in our relationship with him god what are the ways in my life that you need to contradict who i am talking about the internal part of me how i think how i feel how i react how i act because it comes from the inside He rebuked them. Now, when we think about these things, sometimes we can get a little bit condemned. And let me just remind you today of the book. uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So none of what I'm talking about today, today is coming from a condemning attitude. I need to change just as much as you do. But we have to remember that the change comes from love. That the change actually comes from knowing that we are accepted. This idea of changing is God has given me his grace and I am in this righteous place with God because he loves me and cares about me. And because I am in a relationship with him, he wants me to grow and change. And so all of the things that God speaks to us, they come from a place of love. He's not hating on you when he corrects you. He actually knows your potential more than you do And so that's why he wants to intersect 
that negative way of thinking, that negative way of reacting. He wants to rebuke us. He wants to change us because he loves us. He's not trying to condemn us. He's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to love us. So there's no condemnation coming from God today. There's no condemnation coming from me today. You don't want to be down on yourself today thinking, well, you know, I've I've known this thing and I should have changed this thing five years ago and I haven't changed it yet. And so I'm mad at myself. No, don't stay mad at yourself. Don't stay down on yourself. Know that God by his spirit can help you to change. He loves you so much. He accepts you exactly how you are, but he also loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay there. Wants you to grow up to be transformed. So what are these areas? Here's just the thing. What are these areas where, you know, my first thought, you might not say it like this, is I just want to call down fire from heaven. Something comes my way and my, my knee-jerk reaction is just, I am so angry. Call down fire from heaven and what did Jesus do? Jesus rebuked them. What is that? Just a reaction. What are the ways that you react poorly? You got your name at the top, right? Not your wife. I know you know how your wife reacts poorly. We've got that all figured out, right? But that doesn't actually help you. How do you react poorly? How is it that when something comes our way, there's a situation, there's a choice that I have to make, and my first reaction is the wrong reaction? You already actually know what this is. What does God want us to do? God wants us to grow up. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to to leave that thing behind. Here's another one, John chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. This Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So Jesus asked his disciples a question. Verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Why did he ask the disciples a question? Well, he wanted to see how they were going to answer. Ask a question. And this is one of the ways I think a lot of times we miss the spirit of God in our lives, is missing these questions that God is asking us. Because he already knew what he was going to do, like Jesus wasn't like in a conundrum here, right? You get it? It's just like, I'm not sure what to do. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do, but he wanted to involve his disciples in a growth moment. Ask them a question. Well, how are we going to feed all these people? Philip answered, um, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So whatever you, uh, whatever, so 5,000 people plus women and children, that's a a lot of money. And what he's saying, that would cost like half of a year's salary to pay this many people. In other words, and then they would just have like like a bite, just like an hors d'oeuvre, right? 
something super small. And how many of you know that's kind of a negative answer? It's kind of like no answer. It is no solution. It's like even if we spend half a year's salary, they only all have a little bit of a bite. Fail. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Started out good, but how far will they go among so many? Started out at a good place, but he ended up after the but. He went downhill and he went negative, negative, negative. Now we can read these stories and we could think, you know what? I just want you to know if I was a disciple and Jesus was telling me, what are we going to do? We'd be like, Jesus, we know you're the son of God. We know that you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And whatever you want to know, we surely know. We'd go into King James. Thy will be done, Lord. See, we want to think that's how we would react. But we're supposed to see ourselves in these stories and see our own reactions. Here's a problem. Here's an issue. What's, what's the first response? Well, even if we had this amount of money and we bought this amount of food, you know, they're only getting one bite. And here we've got five loaves and two fish, but, you know, that's, that's not really enough. Negative, 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 negative. Where are you negative constantly? Where is it that you are negative in your responses? Let's, let's not get down on the disciples. This is here for us, for us to grow and to leave that negativity behind. In other words, no solution. There's no way out. What's, what's the end of the story? Jesus said, have the people sit down. In other words, you guys are no help. I'm going to solve this problem. Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted that God provided for them. God provided for them. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. What was Jesus' solution? His solution was to put his trust in God. And see, here's one of the things that we need to identify about our actions or our reactions to situations. Is me putting my trust in God seventh on the list? Eighth? Eleventh? After I've exhausted everything else? Or is it first on the list? Is me, you know what? I'm not exactly sure what to do right now. But I do know that I'm going to put my trust in God. Because I know God provides abundantly. Right? Everybody had enough to eat. And so this is the way our, our, our reactions, we need to involve this. We need to grow our reactions up. So our reactions are not, I don't know what to do. And even if we have this and we have this, but it's not enough. And I'm not like, and this, this is just how we live our lives. Beyond a Sunday morning, people, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about Sunday morning. We, we need to gather on a Sunday to, to celebrate and to worship God and to serve each other and to learn from the word of God. But then we should take it and we should actually integrate it into our lives. That we should stop reacting with negativity. That we should actually respond in faith. That we should respond to situations knowing that God is more than enough. This is what Jesus' response was. Not just here, but it's not enough. And then here's this, bow, this negative, negative, negative. 
what are those areas for me that I just, I just need to leave that behind? And I need to, listen, I need to become who God has created me to be. If I'm actually in a relationship with God, let's live like I have a relationship with God. Let's live in such a way that my actions and my reactions and my words don't appear faithless the whole time while professing faith in God. Here's just like a real life situation. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going to put our trust in God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So once again, this, this, this growing up that I'm talking about today, it is from this place that I know that God is good. That God's intentions for me, the visions that I'm writing down for my life, and then the internal part of me, it comes from a good God. God wants me to run after his goodness. But what is he saying about the word of God? That we would desire the word, the word of God, the milk of the word of God, so that I could grow. That I could grow up. That I can become who God has destined me to be. That I'm moving in that direction. That I'm not stagnating. That I'm not static. That I'm not a cesspool of who I used to be. No, God wants us to write down who he wants us to be. The areas of our mind, our thinking, our emotions that need to be transformed. God wants us to move to that wonderful place. Why? Because he's good. He's good. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate, in other words, think or meditate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we talked about the Word of God, that we're going to receive the Word of God, not from a religious sense, not out of duty, but I'm going to read the Word of God so that I could grow up, that I can be transformed, that I can be changed. I'm not just going I'm gonna, you know, I'm to, get, I'm getting in a chapter today. The pastor said I should read my Bible, so I'm going to read a chapter today. You know, you might as well forget it. Now, that doesn't sound good coming from a preacher. But if you're just going to read uh, the scripture out of religious duty, it's, you're wasting your time. But if you think, you know what, I'm going to read this so I can grow up. How is it that I can be transformed? How is it that God wants me to be transformed? And then the second thing is the spirit of God, that the spirit of God is changing us and transforming us when we're spending time intentionally with his presence, Spending time praying, spending time worshiping, gathering on a Sunday morning. Jimmy talked about that. Just, you know, this, the spirit of God is here. When we gather together and we lift up his name, that his spirit is transforming us, changing us. Incrementally, 
all of who you are and all of the change. I mean, listen, God knows and you know all of these areas that you need to change, right? There's a lot of areas for all of us. God is not coming with all of it at one time and being like, you need, but no, he's changing us. He's growing us up incrementally. He's transforming us incrementally. But then we see there, it said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom. Freedom from those ways of thinking that are wasting your life. Freedom from those ways of acting or reacting. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then it said that we would contemplate it, that we would think about it. Do you ever walk out of an interaction with somebody and then afterwards you think to yourself, why did I say that? Or is that just me? Am I the only one? Why did I say that? Why did I act like that? And sometimes we dismiss those things, but that's actually the spirit of God, just like Jesus asking his disciples a question. He's asking us a question. And the question goes something like this. Why did you do this? But bigger than that, is that actually who you want to be? Is that actually who I've created you to be? And then he asks us those questions so that we can grow up. So that we can be transformed. So that we could not be our 13-year-old self or our 30-year-old self or our 45-year-old self. I'm going to stop there. See, it would be, regardless of our age in here today, it will be deadly for us to think we've arrived because then we don't need a vision. Then we don't need to hear God's voice. Nobody wants us to, continual, to continually moving forward into the freedom that he has for us. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when we have new ways of thinking that leads us into new ways of acting and new ways of doing. James chapter 1, verse 19. Here's one for me that I know is, is on my lift. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. See, I've got it in reverse. I'm, I'm quick to speak. I'm quick with a joke. I'm quick with a retort. I'm quick with, you know, because whatever. I can say words. This is what I do. I talk, people. But what do we need to be quick to do? Quick to listen. I'm just telling you, this is, I'm here and I need to get somewhere else. Because I'm so busy a lot of times formulating a response that I'm actually not listening to what's being said. What is actually being said to me? Am I thinking about it? Am I comprehending it? And then sometimes I'm so quick to speak that I'm not actually responding to the thing that's said to me. Does any married people want to risk an amen in this moment? Amen. Then, you know, it's like, hey, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to talk. And then she's like, I'm not even sure I was saying that. I'd be like, that's exactly what you said. She's like, no, it's not. And then you're like fighting about something that didn't even happen. But what was the scripture telling us to do? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, all of us, everybody in this room has room to grow in this area. How much would that idea help our relationships? In other, in other words, this, I am going to understand first 
before I try to get someone else to understand what I'm saying. Now that's a challenge. That's, that's grown-up stuff. That's maturity. I got to grow up to do that. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls that I am going to meekly, in other words, humbly listen to what God is saying. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he looks like. So what is the writer here saying and comparing the word of God to? Okay, so we get up in the morning, right? And we look in the mirror and then we make some changes, right? Right? We we brush something. And we fix something. And then we paint things, right? We look at it and we make it look different. Why? Because I I identified some issues. And this is what he's saying what the word of God is like. That we would look into the perfect perfect law of liberty. That we would look into the word of God and that we would see something about ourselves that needs to grow and change. And what if we just looked at it and we're like, you know what? I really need to do that. Maybe next week. No, we don't want to be that person. We don't want to be that person that just hears and doesn't do because then we deceive ourselves. Verse 25, just said it a second ago. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty... And perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The law of liberty, free from that old version of you, free from the young version of you that has never grown up. It's time to grow up time to grow up and mature. It's time to grow up and transform, not to be who I was. Whatever age you want to pick, that God wants us to look into his words. And what is it? It's the law of liberty. It's the law of freedom. When I find God's words, I find freedom. When I find growth and maturity, I find freedom. I'm not stuck being that version of myself that I actually already know that I need to change. And how does all of this happen? Man, God helps us. He helps us by His Spirit. He strengthens us. We're going to look at one more portion of Scripture here, then we're going to sing a song. See, the idea between, with this whole series for all of us is that we desire to know the will of God for our lives. We desire to know the path that God has for us. Because why? His path is the path of freedom. His path is the path of light. His path is the path of goodness. Psalm 25 verse 4 says this, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me. In your truth. 
For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love. For they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth. Does anyone ever have any sins in their youth? Don't lie in church, people. And my rebellious ways. Did anyone ever have any rebellious ways? But don't remember that. But according to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. That God has not got us stuck in that place, who we are or who we used to be. But he's giving us a path forward. He's giving us a roadway out. He's giving us a plan of maturity and growth. God, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep all the demands of his covenant. Now, if we bring that into the new covenant, we know that we haven't kept the demands of the covenant but Jesus has. And that is where we stand today, that Jesus has kept all the demands of the covenant so we can move forward into the goodness of God, not depending on our flesh, but knowing that the Spirit of God helps us and empowers us and moves us to the vision that He has for us. His ways, His path, His goodness, His love for you. His love for you comes from who He is. Not from your rebellious ways, not from the sins of your past, but because of the love that God is, He calls you forward. And He says to all of us, write the vision, make it plain, so that we can run with it. Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for your word today. God, we are so thankful for who you are to us. We're so thankful for Jesus. That he provides for us the righteousness that we need to stand before you, God, to pray. And God, all of us today, we ask, we want your ways. We want your vision and your path for us. Not just our thing, not something that we can dream up. But God, thank you that you are helping us to grow and to be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.